Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hi Tracy. Hi Bavana. How are we? Great. Oh, happy hump day everyone. Happy Happy Wednesday. Yeah, happy Wednesday. Um, I'm good, yeah. Uh, I've been doing. Well, I've been trying to take it easy. I've been working, but taking it easy at work. Enjoying this beautiful weather we've been having. We are blessed with, um, with we think we're blessed with about nine months of sun, aren't we? Which is pretty good. My, my, most of the years, yeah. But this year's been a bit, or well, last year was a bit strange. Can go. Yeah, a bit such and go, a lot of rain. What's El Nina, isn't it? Nina. So how have you been how have you been enjoying the sun? Oh, I just like to be out more. Out and about more. Did I go to the beach? No. Oh, I took yeah, I took Hendy to Hendy to this other dog park that all the dog people owners rave about because it's got a little doggy beach. Oh, I love um, that. Does yeah, Hendy so, actually go in the water though? Well, he won't unless I do, and I didn't feel like it. Um but he'll just run up and down the shore. So he just yeah. gets his like feet wet. Um, but yeah, there's loads of dogs and it's running up and down, running up and down, loving it, loved it. So that was really fun. It was really nice to watch him play. So I took him and another and the friend's dog down there. So that was nice. I have to go back there because it's not that far away from where I live. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great way of also kind of like obviously meeting other dog owners. Dog yes. Owners. Yes, meet quite a few dog owners around here all the time. Yeah. And then what else have we been doing? Catching up with friends after the Christmas break and everybody's back. And we got to see Joe on Monday. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, I haven't seen him in a number of years. So, yeah. Yeah. So organising that. Yeah. And just starting up the year with goals for 2023. January is all about goal setting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've actually that's how I spent my um my last week. I've been um I've been back at the gym. I re-signed back with the gym, and I also got back into um, my yoga practice. So um yeah, and I've been keeping to my schedule, and hopefully that will continue through um the rest of January. We will see. I think it's around about um the I think it's seventeenth of January where a lot of people end up um, releasing or stepping away from their goals, their New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. So as long as I can get through January and keep to my um, fitness schedule, then hopefully it will, there'll be more um, more chance of me continuing it on for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually planning to go back to the, some form of formal exercise again. We'll see. Um, look into a few options. I want to do what you're doing, like reformer. Because yeah. apparently that's really good and I haven't really done it before. So I really want to do that. I'm going to try that. That's my 2023 exercise. I'm trying to find a plate. There's so many places around here. There's loads, which is, would be great, but, you know, of varying costs. So I just need to have a look and do a bit of research. Yeah, so- it's definitely worth looking into reformer Pilates because um, I don't know if you like myself, but um, I've tried Pilates for many times over and over 
and it's the floor pelvic exercises which are really not very appealing i don't enjoy them i find the repetition quite boring and then when i discovered reformer pilates that's where you kind of on the machine that changed my whole outlook on um, yeah so yeah um, let's do it i'm that flag and an advocate yeah cool yeah I have, i've been to an intro session it's like it's in one of the places it's quite funny it's a bit like a disco <laughs> it's like um mirrored walls the ho- all walls are mirrored yeah dark you know lights that kind of and then the boom 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 music it's like, okay. it's like going to one of those spin classes right. but it's polaris but yeah so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens and what about you what have you been doing yeah that's basically what i have been doing we um just getting back into my fitness regime mm. so um obviously balancing it out with work commitments mm. um but it's a it's a chance to i suppose start the year getting the endorphins going um goal setting um you know one of one of my goals is basically to get back into shape and um and yeah it's also a great place to also meet like-minded people which is which is fantastic so and also i love the the yoga community that i'm with um yeah, yeah i really really like being around them so so that's good cool yeah yeah right all right well um we will get started with the first story yeah let's kick off mm-hmm. so this this story is a bit of like a 2022 in review story from i'm reading it from abc news uh-huh. um about women's rights and by the journalist Annika Burgess. So she's saying, this headline of the story is, many women's rights were taken away in 2022, but global feminist solidarity is on the rise, which is fantastic because, and and the reason I think it's fantastic is because too often I've seen in the past, women against women as well, not supporting these, I found women, and this is when I said, remind me to say this point later, some women, not all women, with their head in the sand, thinking there's not a problem, or thinking, or being part of the problem and not realising it, but I'll come back to that. So that's the title. Um, And she says, looking back at 2022, rights groups, experts, advocates agree that it's not a very bright picture for many women around the world. Simone Clark, chief executive of UN Women Australia, told the ABC that we've had some real challenges and a lot of indicators were actually going backwards, both globally and in Australia. And I can't tell you how many times I said that last year. I feel like we're going backwards. I said that so many times. In terms of big events and big challenges, it's certainly been a year of those. 2022 was a year of those. And actually, the picture immediately after that Comment shows a woman holding a ponytail of hair in her hands as she's a protester that's cut off her hair in solidarity with women in Iran. That's quite a striking picture. Yeah. So this woman um, has cut off her ponytail. And it's quite long. It's like right, okay. she's cut so off like know. this amount of hair. Like, I don't know, this and, amount and of what's hair. And what's that in so what she's what what is she what's her message by cutting off her hair? Well, it's in the protest about uh, women in Iran. So it's solidarity. I don't know what her message is. That's just the picture that it shows. So I guess you make up your I own have, message. Yeah, I'd be I'd be a little bit confused about why why she's cutting off her hair and how that relates to the solidarity of women in Iran. I don't. I'm not too sure about how that relates. Like I say, speaks to you how it speaks to you. For me. Um, that's a very feminine, generally, if you're being stereotyped, if you're stereotyping, that's a very feminine thing. It's like burning your bras. To me. Bra. Yeah, it's a kind of similar kind of thing. So I, suppose, I suppose in this instance. It's like a rebellion against. Ponytail is representing um, femininity. Yeah, and what, and who owns it, basically. Okay. That's a way to, that's my interpretation. Like I say, everybody can interpret that however they want, whatever it's, however it speaks to them. And in March on the International Women's Day, Amnesty International released a statement warning that events in 2021 and in the early months of 2022 had conspired to crush the rights and dignity of millions of women and girls. 
And then it goes on to talk about the Taliban's further crackdowns on the whites of women in Afghanistan. And the things, I mean, you don't really hear so much about it. Obviously, when the Taliban took over Afghanistan again, we heard a lot about it on the news. And then my heart goes out to the women and girls in that country because now they're not allowed to go to school above the age of, I think it's year six, it says in here. They've got strict Islamic or Sharia law that's been imposed. Yeah, girls have been banned from middle school. Women abide from attending universities or for working for non-government organisations. So sixth grade, I don't know what sixth grade, I don't know if that's year six or whatever that is. I guess that's, oh, I do know what that is. That's like the end of primary school for us in the UK. So so no secondary education, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, It just goes to show just how fortunate we are you know, to have these opportunities and not have these challenges where, you know, in in um, in Afghanistan, this is, this is the norm where as you approach the end of your primary school, you know, you're basically, that's the end of your educational life. Yeah. And um, women having to wear head-to-toe clothing in public. Um, women are banned from gyms and parks. These are things I didn't know. We don't know whether or not if, if there's... A- I think there's some also laws whereby, I mean, in Afghanistan, where you have to be accompanied if you're a female. If you're going to a park or if you're going to a public place, you always have to be accompanied by a male mm. and obviously covered. So that's basically, you know, what's going on in Afghanistan. I mean, I would like to think I could leave. I mean, not probably won't let you leave now, but at the time I would have gotten my ass out of there if I had the option. So... Yeah, I mean, a lot of individuals, a lot of our community, you know, it's easy for us to say, what would we do if we were in that situation? But a yeah. lot of the times, like you, you're ingrained with that, with that belief, you're ingrained with these laws. For a lot of the female um, girls, a lot of the girls there, they've grown up around this, this that's their expectation. Mm. So it's, it's a difficult one. It's not, I'm not saying that it's not advocating it by any means. Mm. I'm just, I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. Um, yeah, but you can't. Without that lens of what I've already been grown, what, what mine. Yeah. I, get, I know what you're saying, but we can't put ourselves in their shoes. And the fact is, they don't have a choice. It's not like you have a, you can choose to leave, to stop school at this age, because we prefer you didn't, just no choice whatsoever. But I guess in the same, by the same side you don't really have a choice about going to school either like in the you know in the uk or the us whether you have to go to school right it's not really a choice um, but i guess you can leave at 16. Well, but also you've got to consider as well that they had 30 years of rights before this has happened so there would have been people and mothers there would have been mothers that finished school or gone to uni or have careers that live there and have to now deal with this yeah as well so already having that freedom and that freedom's been taken away now the next story is highlighting um iranian women right and what's happening to them that would be an interesting find is that okay well if there's if if the taliban are stopping um young girls um uh, being given the opportunity to have a full education what's the expectancy is do is it a case of that they they stay in the home uh, become homemakers, go into early marriages, have children. Is that the assumption? Yeah. yeah, that is generally the known path in life. So now it moves on to talk about Iranian women in the spotlight. And it talks about, I don't know how to say his name, Nose. Hosseini. Although it's taken 45 years, NOS, NOS, Hosseini has been overwhelmed by the scale of uprising and international attention Iranian women rights have gained in recent months. It talks about the first known execution in relation to anti-government protests. They hanged a man for waging war against God. So now that's obviously setting a fear tactic to dissuade people from protesting. It's wonderful that the community all across the world is showing a strong level of support for people 
movement for regime change in a way that they haven't before. Ms. Hosseini, a spokesperson for the Iranian Women's Association, so that's who that person is, that's what she said. And she says, I think because it's been ongoing and it's growing from strength to strength, because protests erupted in September last year after 2022-year-old Masha Amini died in the custody of morality police who arrested her for inappropriate attire. And that's what really triggered. I mean, that's just a trigger. It's not like it all of a sudden was a problem. It's been a problem for a long time. And then Nossesini, this woman, is saying that Iran is like a prison for women. And it's interesting to compare it to the Taliban. I think the Taliban seems to be the most extreme, like what's happening in Afghanistan. But Iran is extreme, but not as bad, if you can even say that. They allow the women to be educated. Um, demonstrations are spread to all corners of the globe. Yeah, different degrees. Yeah, different degrees, exactly. With women from the streets of Paris to the beaches of Bondi, cutting off their hair in solidarity. Well, I live in Bondi Beach and I don't. I haven't seen any... Um, oh, you, you've got a lot of hair there, Babna. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see many, many women cutting off their hair. And um, unless it, to be honest, to be fair, it's Bondi Beach. So unless cutting off your hair was um, was part of an Instagram craze, I don't think the, I don't I don't think it would happen in um, the women in Bondi Beach. Or... Well, apparently it happened. Lucy Kenny, associate campaigner at Amnesty International Australia, said Iran had shown that more people are finding their voice and speaking out against what they will and won't tolerate. The positive in all of this is that we've seen people standing up fighting, which has really highlighted the importance of people power and also the right to protest in changing repression. Yes, fantastic. That's what we need a lot of. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And it says, I think we're seeing a growth in strength between women, which is good. So like I said, this is highlights, lowlights, I would say, of 2022. And then it talks about... The U.S. winds back reproductive rights with the Supreme Court ruling ending a constitutional right to abortion after nearly 50 years. So that Roe versus Wade, we heard about that. So several states enacted the law restricting or banning abortion completely. So it's now considered illegal at all stages of pregnancy, with some exceptions, in 13 of the 50 states in America, isn't there? 52 states. 52. So 13 of the 52 states banned wow. it. I think that was one of the stories, yes, when you talk about um, the low lights of uh, last year mm-hmm. of gender equality. That's that's one of the stories that would have stood out for me, definitely. Because I remember seeing a news article, watching a news article, and um, I think I saw it on um, uh, a post, um, and they had um, a depiction of a scene from Handmaid's Tale, and then they showed um, an, another piece of footage, and that other piece really was from the states, from the story. And it was, and they basically put it together. And I thought, oh goodness me! So that's yeah. the way they, they, um, yeah. they put it. Together. That's so, how I see the world. Like, handmade tale. Scary. It is. It was very scary when I saw that. Yeah. And I actually couldn't watch Handmaid's Tale. I started watching it with Neil. Um, we watched maybe I watched maybe three or four episodes of season one with her and it's like I can't watch this it's just it's just too disturbing for me to continue to watch this I can't watch it so I stopped watching it but so you haven't got through season one yet I just can't watch it okay, so I actually because I think there's about four or maybe even five seasons I know there's loads of seasons I, think I, I season one I was hooked because you're absolutely right it's a very powerful story and um is Margaret Atwood is um uh, you know that's it's from her it's it's written yeah. by Margaret Atwood. she's a very powerful writer and so that was hooked in season one um season two it got gritty because you 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 basically bought into the main character's journey and by season three it was just it was getting so many it was it was so extreme and then just like yourself I found I started finding it a little bit uncomfortable and so I, I, I think I dropped halfway through season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen the trailers for season four. I'd like to revisit it, but unlike yourself, Tracy, I, I think I, I kept with it. And then it started getting very uncomfortable um, for me. And so mm-hmm. to, see, to see it then on the news, to play out on the news as a comparison story mm-hmm. about what's happening in the, in the US was quite shocking. Yeah, and it is comparison. That's and then and what I heard about that book because I didn't. Apparently, it's a book and it's been around. And some schools may 
the marine like it's read at some you know, schools part of your curriculum we never yes. read i don't did you read that i never read that um no but i did actually i, I come, came across margaret atwood her her writing is around females and empowerment right um, and the challenges that we go through so, I, so i've been familiar with margaret atwood's work right okay well i didn't realize that and also what i'd heard i could be wrong but that's what i've heard is that all of the event all the things she describes in her stories although the stories have actually happened to women in history so all the situations yeah have, have happened to women in history so i was like oh lovely so i can't watch it i can't watch anything like that and anything about slavery that's fi- fictional and uh, or children being abused i can't watch any of those kind of programs it's because you get quite emotional it's that emotional connection isn't it it's just i just can't watch it i just i feel i just feel horrendous i don't want to feel that way so i don't watch it anyway that's understandable that's quite understandable yeah 1.2 billion women and girls of reproductive age live in countries and areas with some restrictions on access to safe abortion according to un women and the thing is it goes underground we know that before it was legal and so uh and that's terrible however that's also a comparison with the handmaid's tale is that it's a, it's a story of a I suppose an underground utopia as it were and so and this these types of stories that you're reading and you're highlighting um you know a lot of them are underground stories so that's where our similarity is again but apparently and didn't know this there were also major steps forward on sexual and reproductive rights in other parts of the world. So in Latin America, Colombia decriminalized abortion during the first 24 weeks of pregnancy, following the 2021 rulings in Mexico and Argentina that improved access to abortion. India made a landmark move and ruled that a woman's lack of marital status cannot deny her the choice to abort a pregnancy at any time up to 24 weeks and Finland passed reforms that eased the strictest abortion laws in the Nordic region and Spain um, in December just gone passed a pioneering sexual and reproductive health law that allows girls aged 16 and 17 to undergo abortions without parental consent and that's that's interesting it's also became the first European country to offer state-funded paid leave for women who suffer from painful periods and we were just talking about that okay yes that's right yeah something that the uk are going through um or have been going through in the yeah. last few weeks so that's yeah. great paid leave for women suffering painful periods oh great there'll be somebody that's not happy with that but right. <laughs> um you actually use it though that's the thing mm, worldwide increase in gender violence Initial reports indicate that COVID-19 pandemic has led to an increase in violence against women worldwide in recent years. Yeah, we know that. We've heard that. It's been massive in Australia as well, right? I know that even Camilla, Camilla Parker Bowles. That's right, yes. Um, uh, the Queen Consort. Queen Consort. Oh, yes, even talks right. about, was doing this whole, there's a pandemic against violence against women there's a pandemic the home yeah domestic violence and so yeah. she's spearheading that campaign yeah so that's one of her one of the queen consorts campaigns um, yeah and we talked we told another story where she had like an event invited all these women that were uh part of ngos and organizations supporting that kind of cause okay that was where the lady hussy story happened oh is this about a brooch no, it's nothing to do with the brooch. It oh, was okay. lady. It was we did it, and we've already talked about this. We did the story; it was quite funny. Um, where basically, lady, what the woman? I can't remember her name because is I couldn't remember to pronounce her name. But she was basically British African. Oh, I know. This is the one where, where she says, "Is this the one where she says, um, but where are you really from?'" Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, but it was just we read the transcripts, and obviously. Yeah, we read the transcript and um, it was so funny. I've had this, but I've had this exact same conversation myself um, with people. Um, but I felt so bad for the woman because it puts the onus on the, you know, the late, you know, the black person to have to keep the call, not make a scene, consider how they handle it diplomatically without seeming like they've got a chip on the shoulder. 
That's it was diplomacy is the word, and I think I, I mean I don't I I haven't I haven't read the transcripts from but from what I understand um, the woman who was asked um, where are you really from um, she she kept her cool she kept her calm um, and she dealt with it in a very um, gracious manner. Yeah, but it's just it was just kind of funny not even funny I guess funny from an outsider who's experienced it and how many times have have you been asked how many times have I been asked where are you really from yeah but some these days to be fair when I've been asked it people accept my answer but the what that was the thing in this that she wasn't accepting her answer that was the thing wasn't accepting what she'd already told her so that that was the the stickler but anyway we digress so we know that we talk about human rights in these ways, but the reality is there are individual women who are under that threat every day of violence. So we've got these grim statistics, but Ms. Clark, who's wrote the article, is hopeful that Australia's recent progress towards greater women's representation in politics will bode well for more inclusive policies. And this is why we inclusion in Decision-making roles is so important. Um, Already the government has made changes to pay parental leave and has launched a 10-year strategy on ending violence against women. So this must be in Australia. There's been some really significant gains, particularly in Australia. If we look at women in leadership and women in power, she said, we are already starting to see positives with the National Task Force for a Strategy on Gender Equality and the Economic Task Force for Women that's, that's been established. And then it goes on to some surprises, which I was surprised. Well, not surprised. Not what you were surprised about, Tracy. I'm not surprised, but I just wasn't aware. It wasn't, it wasn't at the forefront of my awareness. What was brought onto your radar? That Dr. Delonte was surprised to see continued discrimination against women in the media and digital spaces. And then it talks about the Jeremy Clarkson, how apparently in December he'd gone again at Meghan Markle in the sun. In the sun. In a column in the sun. There was a, he made a, Jeremy Clarkson did make a vile comment about um, Meghan Markle, if that's still the surname. Yes, and he, he made a comment which was based around a scene in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he did, right? Um, and then, the, so it's talking about media and attacking women, basically. Yeah. Um, she's an example. That's an example. The other examples were the Finnish Prime Minister, Sanna Marin. Um, he faced sexist questioning at a press conference. Oh, yes, I remember seeing that. Um, she was visiting New Zealand and she had Jacinta and, the, and um, they were both there. It was on the news. I can't remember what the question was, but the media asked a question. And it's like, if they were two men, you wouldn't have asked that question. It was nothing to do with the jobs or the role or what they were there for. It was about their gender. It's quite funny. And who was asking the question? It's a, um, a journalist. Well, yeah. And and um, Jacinta said, "I'm just wondering if you know if we were two men standing here, if you'd have asked that question." It's quite. Oh, is that how she responded? Oh, I yeah, love yeah, I love her as well. And then some. I don't know who it is. Sorry, because I've been skipping parts of the article. It's quite a long story. Was shot by the backlash against Brittany Higgins and other women who speak out. She says how Brittany Higgins was treated kind of served as a warning to women. Don't speak out, don't say anything, because this will be the result. Yeah, we said that. That's something that we touched on last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, this was it. This was it. Going back to the story about um, Jacinta meeting with the Finnish Prime Minister, Sana Martin. Marin, sorry. It says what they were asked was, oh, have you met because you're both women leaders? That was what the journalist asked. Are you that meeting because you're both women? You're both women. Are you meeting because you're both? Oh no, 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 no! This was the question. Sorry, I, I misquoted. Sorry. Okay, the question was: Are you meet? Are you women because you're both of similar age? You're both women of a similar age. Is that why you're meeting? That was the question. Are you meeting because you're women of both a similar age? Right. Okay. Yeah, that was the kind of the question. Wow. <laughs> How many male politicians stand up there and they're a similar age? And this was a, this was a question from a journalist. So At the um, press conference. Okay. That, of, I, of all the questions that you could ask, of all the questions, that's the one that they came up with. Yeah, I just thought, really? 
And that's what she said. She said, would you have asked that question if we were two men standing here similar? That's a great response. That's because the prime ministers of heads of state, like all heads of state meet each other. Stupid question. Because actually, I mean, I say it's a great response, but how else would you be able to answer that question? Well, she did, she kind of carried on as, you know, we met because we're heads of state. It's like, yeah, that's how it was. Yeah. I mean, she answered it really. I might have gone, really? Are you asking me that question? Exactly. It's like, that's the only real response. <laughs> I would probably, if somebody asked, you know, if I was in that position and somebody asked me that, I'd be thinking, what other, what, what other, do you know what would, like, not, not that this is a question, what if somebody said, uh, like, me and you, we're, we're heads of state, me and you, we're meeting, and they go, are you meeting because you're both women of colour? Exactly, I'd be, I'd be thinking, well, what, what, I, exactly, I'd have that same response, like, what other... Is, is there another question? Like, is, it, is that the best you could come up with? It's like, which of a question, what other response is there but to call that journalist out? Oh, that, well, whoever said, asked that question, you're never living that down. So, I'm assuming it was a man. I think it was. But anyway, on a, to end this, it says, um, on a more positive note, Dr. Dulhunty was pleased by the progresses in feminist foreign policy. In the foreign policy space, that's where 2022 has been good, she said. There's been much more marked increase in feminist foreign policies in different countries. And while Miss Clark was saddened by the plight of many women around the world, she was struck by the strength and defiance of young people. There was a greater proliferation of young, strident and outspoken women who are simply saying enough is enough. So while it's been a shocking one on one hand, I think 2022 is really a year of drawing a line. She said for the next year, it will be important to keep making sure these, these voices are heard. I sit in Australia, saddened by what is happening to young women in Iran, Afghanistan, Ukraine, and around the globe, Ms. Clark said. So what can we do about it? We can shine a light on it. We can share the stories. We can say enough is enough. And hopefully someone will listen. And that's what we're doing here. You know, we're shining a light. We're sharing stories because as we all know, you know, um, things don't change overnight. It's always going to be a gradual process. But as long as we're moving and we're traveling on this journey in the right direction, mm. sometimes there will be cases whereby and in some regions, there will be cases whereby it's um, five steps forward, three steps back. But as long as we're moving in the right direction, in a positive direction that's where we can start yeah yeah I just you know it's nice it's easy we're just lucky where we are and we literally are lucky because of where we were born this is our lives the choice this is I have such empathy for uh, refugees because they I want to say to leave your home country I mean I've left my home country you've left your home country even if you want to, it's still not easy. You know, it's not an easy thing to do, even if it's your choice. But a lot of people would rather be in their home country. Don't, you know, but can't be there. Yeah, because that's where their heart is, but they're not able to be there. That's right. Mm. That's right. I mean, it's sort of, I suppose it's kind of a little bit like, I know that with my parents, they came from um, different countries to live in England. And um, may not, for my mom, it wasn't her choice. And for my dad, it was a, it was a choice, but it wasn't kind of a, um, well, a deliberate choice. And, mm. and for, um, for a lot of Indian parents, they left their, their homes in India to create more opportunities, not only for themselves, but to create a new future for the next generation, which is us. Mm. And, um, and I know that like going, but also retain, but what's really important is also retaining that culture. And I know, um, it's funny how, you know, Tracy, how you said about, you know, we're very lucky. I know that one of, in one of the last trips I had to India, I was with, um, I was actually with an ex-boyfriend and it was the first time that he'd um, been to India and, um, and he's of non-Indian heritage. And so he found that, you know, he was he was embracing the culture in India. He was embracing everything, including smells. Mm -hmm. And I on our, smells, what smells? I remember on our taxi, it was like a mixture of um, 
of spices, of sun, of um of cowpat basically okay that's, that's india um and uh but we were basically in a taxi back to the airport and we were we were driving past and uh, a scene that we we come across many times of um people on us on the roadside you know making making their lives mm-hmm. and um my ex-boyfriend at the time i remember he turned around to me a long time ago and uh he turned around to me and he said to me bavna he said he said, if your if your father had never moved to England and you were born here, what kind of life do you think you would have had? Mm. And so um that's what um yeah, that's what was so when you just said now about um, you know, we're very lucky to have been, you know, born in this um in uh, in the countries that we have and been given those opportunities. It does remind me about it does remind me that it wasn't so long ago you know a, you know a different a different throw of the dice i could have i i maybe i maybe could have been born in india i could have been born in rajasthan and raised there so it's 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 different we basically you know we we take our opportunities and um we we basically you know we live the life of the hand that was dealt to us yeah yeah no oh. So that was uh, 2022. Yes, that was 2022. And so, um, and, and you know, it's a, it's a great to kind of end on in terms of shining that light on the fact that, you know, there is, you know, it's a reminder that, you know, we, we have to continue sharing these stories. We have to continue talking um, about these issues, um, making sure that, um, yeah, they're, they're kept on the radar. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Talking about stories on the radar. So, um a story from the Daily Mail in Australia from this week is uh, the headline reads, M&M's launches woke female-only special edition candy featuring lesbian green and brown chocolates, as well as new plus-size purple sweet who represents body positivity. I didn't, sorry, I thought we already had brown M&M's. I, I, think think do. I don't actually, I'm not, I don't, I'm not. I don't eat M&M's. I don't particularly eat. I never thought we would have green I ones. I'm definitely, I'm definitely sure there's a green. And yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a brown too. Um, For me, it was the purple that was new. Purple is, is a new one. But they, I mean, I thought they already had green ones. But this article is now saying that they have a special edition, um, which are labelling as female only. Mm. But they've also labelled the green as lesbian in the marketing campaign. Oh. So... The actual picture, what it basically shows, um, it says Eminem is launching woke all female packs to celebrate female empowerment and attempt to shake things up in a continued shift towards progressive branding. So they're basically branding the green Eminem as a lesbian. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, and I think with Eminem, so. What's the brown Eminem? A brown person? Like what? Is, they're all colourful. <laughs> I don't know what. what, what I think I, I, let's have a look what it says. So, um, Mars Eminem's parent company debuted via feminist candy wrappers earlier this week, exclusively featuring company's three female mascots: green, brown, and the newly, newly introduced purple. Um, the all-female package upside down to show how powerful women have flipped the status quo. So that's another branding technique. Mm-hmm. Will be the first time the brown and green M&Ms have been featured together since a viral tweet from two, 2015 sparked rumours they were a lesbian couple. Okay, so as yet, we don't know whether or not the, what, the, what the brown um, M&M uh, uh, refers to, but we do know that the green M&M is now a lesbian. Right. So if they're paired together and they're holding hands, then it's probably a biracial M&M's relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Basically what, what we have there. The tweet contained a picture of the two characters holding hands on a beach posted just two days after the Supreme Court effectively legalised gay marriage. That was in 2015. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Each of these limited um, run packages will only include the female-coded green, brown and purple versions of the miniature candies. So that's what it, so in other words, the, the all-female M&M uh, packet of sweets will be, will consist of just green, just brown, and just purple. Cat amongst the pigeons here, you could actually then um, uh, come at it and say, well, what about the yellow? You're excluding the yellow. 
You're excluding the blue. I just think it's funny. I don't know if they've got characters. Oh, I think they're all guys anyway. I just found this interesting. So they must have already had the brown and the green. I think they did. It's just a rebranding of how they... Rebranding, yes, yes. And in the actual picture, they've got the brown as very as having very long eyelashes. So you can you can interpret that as maybe the brown could be even trans. Well, it's not saying what it is. Could be anything. Exactly. We're not saying yeah. what the brown is. But they're saying that the green is a lesbian uh, M&M and the purple, which is a slightly, um, it's a sickle shaped almost or a oval shaped, egg shaped. Right. So um, that is promoting um, uh, body imaging. Okay. Interesting. uh, That's the difference in the branding. So, um, and the green M&M. It's definitely got a, the animation is um, is quite heavily animated with eyelashes, full, fuller lips. Yeah, so definitely a more of a feminine take. Mm. Mm. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I'm wondering if this is going to set increase sales of M&Ms. <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to go out and buy some M&Ms now? I wasn't really keen on M&Ms before, but this isn't going to encourage me to buy M&M's I think um, what would be great is if they had flavours so if they had a different flavour for the purple and it was the egg shaped I'd be more I'd be more inclined to um, be curious about the flavour so maybe yeah. I think maybe as a branding maybe they should have done more on more take rather than on the animation of the packet maybe they should have also maybe they should have actually honed in on different flavours maybe but it's just um, a sugar shell and choc- around chocolate isn't it it's not, it's not going to change my um, my taste if I'm going to be encouraged to go into a shop and buy oh it. actually no there was flavours in that I think it said in that article like one's peanut butter I think the flavour there is flavours keep reading find the flavours okay. yeah, flavors. let's have a look um, okay Mars has shifted the M&M's brand in recent years multiple times in attempts to appear more progressive with a new CEO um, Paul Weyrach looking to continue the trend they debuted purple, the first ever female peanut M&M spokes candy who has been designed to represent acceptance and inclusivity and it's quirky, confident and authentic. So each M&M has got their own personality. Right. So, okay. And now I feel like there should be an animated TV series for these. Yeah, I didn't, this is, I didn't know this. I didn't know that each M&M colour had its own personality. So that's my naivety playing out here. I had no idea about this. Mm. Apparently they do. The purple one has been introduced as, um, uh, as quirky, confident and authentic. More than 10 million fans voted to add the colour to the confectionery's current rainbow in May, beating aqua and pink. Purple's arrival was announced with I'm Just Gonna Be Me, <laughs> a new promotional song and music video which launched on Tuesday. So there we go. There we have it. I haven't seen this. No, I haven't seen It's rare Ms. Brown. So the brown M&M is a Ms. Ms. It's rare Ms. Brown and I get to spend time together without some colourful characters barging in. A comment by Ms. Green. Okay. So, yeah, I do feel like, yes, there is a, maybe they should have a Saturday morning children's show, maybe, but then that would be promoting sugar products, which probably is no, probably not a good idea. Um, so, yeah, so um, I've never, I've, I can't remember the last time this has come up where a, where a sugar confectionery product has been animated into different characters. Um, it's like Toy Story on sugar steroids. Mm. I guess that would be the problem with doing that and um, promoting the sugar story, sugar products. But I just, I just, you just highlight something that we know. Two things. One is Americans call it candy. The Brits call it sweets. And Aussies call it lollies. Lollies. Yeah. Um, but in the UK, a lolly is literally a lollipop. That's right. It only refers to a lollipop. Although if anything else is a sweet. Interesting, yes. interesting different names. And then the whole woke, I did not really know what that meant. So interestingly enough, I had to read this, I had to read the headline twice. Because again, I'm gonna play on my naivety. Um, I obviously haven't been listening to uh, to a lot of um articles out there and which mention the word woke because the headline 
reads, M&M's launches woke female-only special edition candy. So I didn't necessarily know about what the connotation woke meant and what it referred to or its definition. No, me neither. Other than the, the, the meaning that's been around forever, one of the meanings, which is obviously not what it means here, is I woke. I woke up. Woke. Um, woke is it, yeah. Um, waking up to. Waking up. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's where it's relating. Well, I actually did a quick um, Google search on what the definition of woke is. Obviously, Dr. Google knows everything. Mm. And here, woke is defined as an adjective derived from African-American vernacular English, meaning, in speech marks, alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. That's interesting. I don't know how to call it woke. If it's very, if it says alert to prejudice and discrimination then it makes sense for that title to be in this story. But it's saying alert to racial um, prejudice discrimination. And besides the brown uh, M&M that's always been around, it's not really a focus on the race here. It's a focus on body positivity and LGBTQI. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe have a meal on the discrimination part. Yeah. So um, I was just wondering how woke but using a sentence does it give you an example of woke using a sentence it doesn't know um it doesn't know the meaning of woke is is aware of and actively attentive to important um societal facts and issues especially issues of racial and social justice oh, okay so are you being woke it's an adjective all right yeah and i guess is it a good word or a bad word because i'm sure i've heard it in context where it's kind of like a, a put down i don't know I can't think of an example. If you're using it to describe a situation where you've contributed to the um, promotion of racial or so um, equality, then you're you may be described as being woke. I was being woke, yeah. and because you're promoting that, so in that context, can be used quite positively. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it got me. Got me thinking. Actually, when I read it, when I when I read that, and then I thought, okay, um, about and we we're discussing the meaning of 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 the word woke. I remember there was another article that came up um, just last week. Was about words mm-hmm. at the end of each year. I think the Oxford the Oxford Dictionary picks out a number of words, or short, a very few, a very short list of words which are, which they define as words of the year. And one of the words of the year that was picked out was the word woman, being the word of one of the words of 2022. Oh, cool. So, um, so yeah, so and they base it around searches um, uh, that have been, um, the number of searches that have been conducted. Um, I remember it, uh, reading around and the word woman had been um, put in, especially around the time of the Queen's Jubilee and also the death of a queen and the word woman was coming up a lot in search interesting that's the reason why they've actually selected the word interesting it's word of the year eh um have we got time to do a what would you do because i'm just looking at the time squeeze that in squeeze it in it it would all depend on what um question you have for me crazy (laughs) all right so in what would you do what would you do? That's my little jingle. It's terrible. But anyway. So this is about, this is highlighting um, a bias discrimination against women in the workplace. And we talked about women's rights. So I thought you may as well have go with this example. So you're, it's a workplace scenario. You're in a conversation with co-workers and someone without children asks a woman with children how do you manage work and raising your kids? You must be overwhelmed. And you're not the person asking, you're just participating in this conversation. What would you do? Right, okay. So this is a scenario where um, a um, a childless woman is asking a mother um, who is working. Um, it doesn't say childless woman. This says someone with, without children. So it could be a mother or a Someone without children. Someone like myself, I'm a woman who doesn't have any children. It would be basically me myself asking somebody in the workplace who has a child or or many children, uh, how do you do it? You must feel overwhelmed. Well, there's an assumption there that um that a person with 
with children is feeling overwhelmed but at the same time you could also look take it from this from the perspective that it could be it could be a form of a compliment whereby it's a case of um from of a perspective of someone who is working who doesn't have children and is potentially and probably finding work overwhelming anyway without without the responsibility of looking after a child or children Mm. And so simply sharing um, that comment, um, which is, um, well, you know, how do you do it? You know, it's almost in, it can be said in awe. Because I know that, um, I mean, I've, I've been in the situations where I haven't said it in that way, where, oh, how, um, how do you do it? You must feel, you must be very overwhelmed. But I've, I've, I haven't said that, but I've, I have, I have communicated to, um, I'm sorry, I have shared uh with my colleagues with colleagues at work who have children who are in the same type of role as me who have the same pressures of me as work but also have um three or three or four children that are also looking after and homeschooling so i've i've asked them well i've not i haven't asked one because um but i've actually shared with them that you know i i'm in awe of you i'm in absolute awe of you you know because i know what i know what the pressures are like in terms of just work and so to imagine, which is all I can do because I'm not a mother, to imagine having the responsibility of one, two, three or four or plus other bodies of mm. children that I also have to look after on top of what, on top of what responsibility I have. For me, I'm in awe of that. Mm. I have that. And so the, the, in that situation, what, um, what would I do? Or um, I wouldn't necessarily, if I, was a, if I was a bystander and I heard that comment, I, I suppose in my in my bias, I I wouldn't necessarily first of all see it as a as a negative question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suppose in my own in my own perspective, I'd see it as as oh the person asking it is probably coming from a position of um, great awe mm-hmm. for this for this for this mother who's working um, and taking on those extra challenges. Yeah. Um, but also I can also see, I can see how, I can see how it would be taken out of context. But on the surface, I know that because I've made comments, but I've, oh, I've, I've made compliments. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, um, yeah, I've passed a compliment to, yeah. to, to colleagues in the workplace who have the same responsibilities as me. Yeah. And also, and are also experiencing success. Um, but I don't have the addition of the responsibility of a child or having children and they do mm. so for me I'm in complete awe of them yeah and I mean everything is context dependent right so you're right you're absolutely right and I mean I have commented similarly but in the context of because I've been a people manager and I was actually you know, have people, had people in my team that had to have that scenario working because the work and stress increased in the COVID, during COVID in, in the industry I worked in because we were providing a service essentially. And um, we needed to maintain that for patient safety, yeah, and well-being. So there was a lot of stress for everyone and people were in lockdowns, kids at home and so there was that happening so yes just in the two contexts I would comment on that it would be checking on them how are they doing how are you doing because I know the situation at home and knowing they're doing the best they can and not having high expectations of what they can do like they can pay the same amount of attention and time and just going with whatever they told me so that that would be in the context I would have that conversation or say something maybe like that but I probably wouldn't say you must be overwhelmed and let's yeah. let's let's look at this from another side um yeah. I mean in that if if I was to say or if I was to hear oh you must be overwhelmed I think I'd be thinking also would you also apply that to um uh to a to a female and a male so oh, yeah um, I know yeah. that because I know that when I played and I'm I'm, I'm very aware of this when I've paid compliments to my colleagues who are parents mm. as well as being successful in in the workload that we both have mm. I've, I've made comments to both mothers and fathers mm. so, um so in that sense 
I'm hoping I'm not discriminating in that sense. It's for me, it's, it comes from a place where I'm in complete awe that you're you're actually holding down this a, a very successful career as well as having the additional responsibility of bringing up children. So yeah, and I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think that's the question to ask yourself before the words come out of your mouth. If this was, if he was a guy, children, but would I be thinking and saying the same thing to him? And if the answer is yes, then you know. Yeah that's okay if the answer is no then you're like "Mm," then you need to think about what your assumptions are however I'm already I'm I'm playing out the scenario already and I'm already assuming and this this is the other way but the bias still an absolute bias on my part that I wouldn't ask a guy because I'm assuming his wife's taking the the work even though she's working let's just assume I'm with a guy potentially who's married with kids and this scenario um, and I know they both work. I'm assuming that the the woman's taking the the biggest load. That's my bias, and then, and that bias comes from having friends that actually do that. I'm afraid. Right. I see. I suppose. Uh, yeah. I um, suppose in a way, I mean, we've been talking in in this session about about how we've been moving forward, and I know that. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but um, one of my one of my good friends, she's expecting a baby in um, in, in the coming weeks, actually. And um, yes, she's going to be taking maternity leave, but she's actually, she's going to be going back to, she's going to be one going back to work. And it's actually my friend's um, husband who's going to be taking time. That's great. Yeah. And so in a way, I suppose I'm already in an environment, I'm surrounding myself with, I've already somehow surrounded myself around less of that stereotype. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was also working in the industries that I have. In the last industry I was working in, there was um again, there was there was a lot of paternity leave being taken. Mm. And mm. so I suppose I'm just uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's because because of what I've, it's because of what I've been exposed to. Well that's the thing, it's like your experience, it's still a bias. Like like on my part having that in my head, that's a bias. Because I do I would know, I don't personally know, but I would know and have seen where it's the man, the father that's taking on that responsibility sometimes or, you know, taking the longest parental leave, say. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I'm not saying I've never seen or heard of that, but I just my most common experience is the, the, you know, the other. But yeah. anyway, what it's saying is, so it's good to highlight bias because, you know, we all have it. And it's saying the problem with this question when the question was, how do you manage work and raising your kids? You must be overwhelmed. The question reinforces an often unconscious belief that dedicated mothers can't also be dedicated employees. Because if you're using, you must be overwhelmed, suggests they can't cope. When you're overwhelmed, it's not a, it's not a positive place to be in, is it? It's not a functional, it's not no, a... It could also be, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a word which also means it's quite challenging. You're feeling overwhelmed. It's, it's too much to take on exactly um, and so um yeah there is a uh, you know there is a because I, I think also the question is also deeming that um okay there's two responsibilities there's the work responsibilities and the dedication towards that and also the dedication towards uh raising children mm. and looking after children and you can't you can do both as society has illustrated so um yeah but that's the thing and this is what's Funny, I'll come back. Let me just read this, though. It says it reinforces the unconscious belief that dedicated mothers can't also be dedicated employees. It assumes that women, that that the woman is overwhelmed, which can feel like a judgment mm-hmm. on, her abil- on her ability to handle her workload and may lead to her getting passed over for opportunities if this is the bias held in the collective in the workplace. If this happens a lot, it can make women feel unsupported as working parents, which can make them more likely to leave the company. So, and it says many people, oh, and and it gives some suggestions how you can respond. It says there are a few ways you can respond based on what feels right. So like everything's context dependent, right? You can point out that feeling overwhelmed is something that everyone experiences from time to time. And I was actually going to say that some people have sick partners, some women have sick husbands, some men have sick wives um, or parents that they have to have a responsibility towards. Uh, you know, some people are caregivers for other parts of their family or are more involved 
other even extended family members not maybe not immediate family members so everyone at some point even if you're a single person has times when they feel overwhelmed that's right you don't necessarily need to have extra responsibilities aside from work to feel overwhelmed exactly exactly nobody goes through there isn't one individual on this planet that goes through life and doesn't feel overwhelmed at some point right so that's one of the points you can make and it's not just working mothers you have have a lot to manage um I imagine all working parents feel overwhelmed sometimes and if your colleague doesn't seem overwhelmed to you at all you can say that too I'm saying you don't seem overwhelmed you seem to be managing it all in your stride so it's so that's more of a compliment that's where that. that's where it, yeah that's where the yeah. that, that sentence of you must be overwhelmed where you can turn that narrative yeah. and and come from a place of compliment yeah yeah and um and it says many people fall into the trap of believing that women can't be fully committed to both work and family and that fuels skepticism about women's abilities and fathers are often exempt from these assumptions so that's really talking about maternal bias which is a thing it's a thing yeah an interesting one it's an interesting one wasn't it yeah, yeah I think if I was um if I'm also trying to think of a perspective of okay what would I do if I was receiving that comment so you know, I think I would I'd, I'd probably be inclined to take it take see the compliment within in the actual statement but also if I didn't see the compliment in my in, in the first instance I'd probably feel like I need to not prove but kind of um just show I think I would be um I'd be inclined to show but I am I've got it down pat yeah the, the only reason you feel the need to do that is because you feel like it's a judgment hmm. yeah so the, and actually if I didn't do that what you just did I didn't put myself in the shoes of the receiver there and now I did and now I have I feel judged like the the hinting that I'm can't handle it and I'm also feeling like well how many women do this all the time? Like, why is this, why is this even a comment to me? That's right. Like, exactly. So many mothers, uh, ne- nearly every woman in this office is a mother, maybe. I don't know. That's um, it. Yeah. That's it. Yes. That, yes. These are things I'm but thinking. That, that would kind of then, that, that's why then my behavior would be like, well, I just show it. I, I just basically, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I, I just basically show that, yeah, look, I can do this. I'm, I'm, I, can, yeah. I, can, I can handle this. But so. you shouldn't have to. Because you shouldn't have to. That's right. You shouldn't have to. So interesting when you when you step into the different shoes, hey, how you can see the different perspectives. So that was it. That was our what would you could do. I really like that one. Um, So thank you for your perspective and insights there. It's basically that question is not a compliment. If you want to compliment someone, that one is not a compliment. It's the overwhelming thing, um, uh, mm. aspect about which 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 negates it as a, a compliment. So if you yeah. take out that that part about overwhelm, maybe I don't know. I'm still now I've been able to sit in the shoes or I attempted to sit in the shoes. I'd still be a bit like, what was that comment coming from? Unless, like, again, it's context dependent. If I've been sat there complaining, having an offloading oh, about my kids and the week and they're not having a sleep, if I'd have been, like, offloading like that and then there was a comment, the comment was like, oh, you're doing amazing, you're manage, managing all this amazingly or something, that's a compliment. But if it's, how are you doing it? I suppose, um, that's it. I suppose it's, again, it's about, the, it's, about the, it's about the tone that you use it's about it's about that word overwhelm so like for example I'm um I'm a I'm a single female um who has no dependents Mm. and I um I I have a I have a career Mm. um, which requires me to work hard sometimes work extra hours and it requires my full commitment and now I know that my counterparts are in that exact same position as me. The only the, the difference is is that they have um, they have the additional responsibility of caring for 
a dependent or a number of dependents mm. also which which requires their focus which requires attention which i don't have and so for me because i don't have that i i appreciate that and that's where that comment comes from is and i suppose it's it, it's a compliment if you use it if you're being mindful of the tone that you use and also using the word overwhelm in the right context yeah. But you can also, well, there's, there's a couple of things as a coach I, I would give as additional advice in this situation. And the first thing would be not to assume what somebody's feeling because they say you must be overwhelmed. So they might be, you might be right, but just who knows they know. So you can ask them, how are they feeling? Um, how do you feel managing that? How is it working for you? And then they'll tell you. If they're feeling yeah. overwhelmed, or they might not, depends how well they know you. And you can you can apply that to to anybody in the workplace. They don't need to be a mother. Like you can reply that. Like I could be I could be a recipient of um, of that type of comment. Is that oh you you know um, are you yeah you you might you might feel overwhelmed. So yeah. So you can you can um, just ask rather than assume. But also, if the symptomatic of being overwhelmed, like you're seeing signs and symptoms, you can still ask and use the word. You can say, um, you seem overwhelmed. Is that is that what's going on for you? And, you know, this happened, this happened. You seem a bit overwhelmed. So instead of saying, you must be overwhelmed, it's still a possibility that there's something else and that they're giving, you're opening up, you're opening up the space for them to share what, how they interpret how they're feeling, not yeah, what you interpret yeah, yeah. how they're feeling. Well, it's 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 in communication where you where you say you must be. You're you're putting words into somebody else's mouth in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose and, and and you know that communication error can be applied in any context. Yeah, well, that's what I mean for any this context. any context. I'm just giving that advice as a way you can communicate with someone about how they're feeling without telling them how they're feeling. Yeah. That was it. Right. it's a really interesting topic hey we had a lot yes. of discussion there yeah some some gritty items that have come up there thank you bavna as always pleasure chatting to you um thanks for making time and um creating this space oh, well, you're ha- you're creating the space with me doll <laughs> great to be part of it oh, cool anyway i'm gonna see you on monday for the movies right yeah that's right which film is it uh, Tar. Is this the one which um Kate Blanchett um, won um a glow a Golden Globe for? I believe so. Open up. Yeah, be cool. All right, hun, let's go. Wrapping right. up. I'll see you Monday. See you Monday. Get the popcorn ready. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!